This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. everybody thank thanks for listening to goat talk with the goat doc uh i am going to do some long overdue listener q a catch up today uh digging back in my email box for the last couple months and gonna try to answer some of those questions today it's a beautiful sunny day in southern maine today so i'm sitting outside trying to record and I might get distracted at some point, so if I do, I apologize. There may also be some funny background noises because my husband is putting up fence to uh, get ready to funnel some pigs into the trailer later on today to go to the butcher. So that's happening. Always something happening. Uh, and maybe some uh, background noise of animals and the like, like my doofy dog over here who's doing something weird. I don't know. Anyway, um, if you have any questions you'd ever like me to address or you have comments or you like the podcast and you just want to say hi, please feel free to email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com. Uh, you can find the website, which is goatdoc.com, and there is a contact tab on there. You can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc. Um, the Twitter is at goatdoccara if you like to do the Twitter. And I think that's all the ways you can kind of find me online. If you like the podcast, if you're enjoying it, if you have a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that's awesome. I read those reviews and I like seeing that people are listening to what I'm saying. So it's like that whole positive feedback thing. It works in so many species. It's amazing. Humans included. But uh, anyway, we'll get into the listener Q&A today. Probably a lot of this stuff today is going to be like my opinion on things. Uh, and we'll get going with that. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet. Digging back to March in the email inbox. Question. Hi there, I have a question. How well or how poorly do goats see? I have a herd of boar goats. They seem to have good vision, but there are times when they act like they can't see something right in front of them or right near them. Do they actually have good vision? Thank you. So I will post some show notes for this because I actually found a couple of good videos online from um, one of them was from National Geographic. So that's like a reasonably reliable source of things. Um, and also a um, a university website. So I'll post links to those in the show notes. Um, but some of that is general, um, ophthalmology stuff and has to do with the different pupil shapes of different generally mammals. Um, 
I guess bird, yeah, animals, I guess. Can't say mammals in, in be that specific. Lots of things have pupils. But in general, animals that are prey species have horizontal pupils. Um, so if you look at the pupils of goats and sheep and horses and cows and the like, uh, they don't have round pupils like humans do. They have horizontal pupils. So what that does is that increases their field of vision. Um, also, their eyes are more shaped, more positioned on the sides of their skull rather than the front of their skull like humans are or cats, for example, or most dogs. You can talk about like brachycephalic dogs like uh, pugs and Boston Terriers and stuff like that. And then they can get some pretty funny eyeballs. But I love those dogs, so I'm not I'm not judging. Uh, anyway, the uh, the prey species tend to have horizontal pupils, uh, and the their eyeballs tend to be positioned on the side of their skull. And what that does is it increases their field of vision to almost 360 degrees around their head. Um, I think the field of vision for goats is something like panoramic 320 to 340 degrees so as a prey animal that they have an advantage there when they can see all the way around them like that uh because then if something is coming to try to eat them they can see it coming and and more quickly the disadvantage there though is that they lose depth perception with that um wide field of vision. So depth perception is the ability to judge distance of things. And it comes from, I believe what's called, I think I'm remembering this correctly, it's called the parallax effect. And that is, you can tell how far away something is when, like, if you look at something with two eyes open, you can tell how far away it is. But if you close one eye, it is much more difficult if not impossible, to tell how far away it is. And it has to do with like triangulation in your brain, uh, figuring out how close that thing is to you. If you have one eyeball on the side of your head, like let's say your left eye, you're a goat and your left eye is on the the left side of your head and you're looking at something that's off to your left, then you have no second view like your right eyeball isn't contributing any information to that object that your left eyeball is seeing. So something on the left side of that animal, it, it sees it, it can tell if it's there, but it can't necessarily how tell, tell how close or far away it is. The um, So the binocular vision, which like humans have very good binocular vision and cats and things that have two eyes that share the largely share the same field of vision um we can tell how far away things are easily but we can't see behind us it's kind of it's kind of one or the other just based on what what our anatomy is like um so i'm not sure if that makes it makes sense i think the way i'm thinking of it in my head um but uh, let me know if that helps or not. Um, goats see uh, not as much color as humans. Um, 
let's see, I'm cheating a little bit here and looking at this, uh, they see from bright purple to yellow green, um, based on like the cones that they have in their retinas, um, colors that and sheep violet blue green yellow orange so that whole range from purple to to yellow orange pretty good not so much red um sheep and goats are certainly able to see purples blues and greens very well but other colors as we see them are questionable and that's based on like what kind of cells they have in their retinas their retinas i believe are also uh like horizontal rectangular shaped um and one other interesting thing, and I'll post the the um, video that I found on the show notes, like I said, and the this has to do with the horizontal eye too. Part of what's important about the horizontal eye is that it stays horizontal and parallel to the ground. Um, if your eye is horizontal and you're constantly lifting your head up and down to graze, then if you're angling your head down to the ground, your pupil is also, if, you're, if your eyeball doesn't rotate in that manner, your pupil is also going to rotate down to the ground. And then you're going to have a panoramic field of vision, but your panoramic field of vision is going to be the ground and the sky. You're going to not be able to see the, like, the horizon, which is what you're trying to see if you're a prey animal trying to see those predators sneak up on you. Um, so goats have developed the ability to rotate the globe in the orbit uh, to maintain that horizontal view and maintain that field of vision as they graze, which is kind of cool. And I think that video that I talked about does a way better job of explaining that than I could just by words. So go over to the show notes, goatdoc.com, and see the video. And next time you look at your goats lifting their heads up and down to graze, notice that their uh, their pupils stay horizontal. It's kind of neat. Uh, so back to the question, like, sometimes they act like they can't see something right in front of them or right near them. It could be that they are just, you know, if it's something to their side, they are not really good at judging how far away that thing is and if it's closer than they thought it could be surprising to them um they're they don't see 360 degrees around them they can't see directly behind them so if something comes out from that field where they can't see something it could surprise them um, but i think mostly being a prey species and not having great depth perception can be something that makes animals startle easily and also probably just because they're goats and if it's something they're interested in, they're probably going to act like they see it really well. And if it's something they're not interested in, then they won't. <laughs> so that is that. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go, this is a, this is a question from the same person a couple months later, and there's multiple questions in the same email. What do I use to clean up all the, the she says raisinets, I call, we call them goat berries. Um, I've tried all, sor all sorts of tools to gather up the goat berries, have even manu manufactured a few. 
Uh, barn has a large dirt stall with a concrete shed row built as a horse barn. Do you buy a special rake? So all of our goats are bedded all the time. We've tried, and sometimes when it's really hot in the summer, our our bigger, newer barn is on a concrete floor. Um, and sometimes we'll, probably not so much anymore because Devin doesn't like it, um, for one summer, we tried not bedding the aisle in the barn, so they would poop in the aisle, and we would sweep the aisle up twice a day. It's a losing battle. Goats are poop-making machines. Um, but in general, like, their poop is small and dry, and, like, they don't really care about it that much. They're kind of gross. Um, so they just poop all over the place, and they don't even think about it. Um, the Yeah. So I don't, we do not worry about on a daily basis sweeping up or otherwise picking out the goat berries. Um, I grew up with horses, as you probably know, and like when my horse lived here, we cleaned his stall out twice a day. But that is like, you know, bigger poops that are easily picked up with a pitchfork and then you can shake out the dry shavings. You can't really do that so much with goats. It's kind of inconvenient. Um... What we generally do is we bed with with shavings. The shavings are usually pine shavings because of where we're located, and um, we we just let them poop in it, and then <laughs> we clean it out generally weekly. In the summer, if it's really hot and gross, it gets cleaned out more than weekly. In the winter, if it's really really cold, as I mentioned in the cold weather episode, sometimes we'll deep bed. And if things are getting gross, we'll put clean bedding on top and um, give them something nice and clean to lay in rather than um, taking all of the, the heat generating, decomposing bedding out. So, yeah, Again, other people, let me know what you do with your with your goat stall barn cleaning methods. Same question or same email still and along the same lines of um, like managing the barn um, and this listener is in Texas. So this is going to be different. Like, you know, other people in other climates, like I just said, let me know what you guys do differently. And this is going to be like geographic, too, because in New England, we, you know, I think the vast majority of our livestock species are bedded with shavings because it's a byproduct of the lumber industry up here. The lumber industry isn't what it used to be, but it still exists. And uh, that's kind of what we use for bedding. You know, we used to get our shavings right from a local lumber mill that would plane, you know, they'd plane their planks and then they'd bundle up the shavings and that's what we'd get. So, um Yeah. So mostly that's pine. Um, I don't, I don't worry about like the question is one like large flake shavings versus like sawdust, I guess, or small flake. I don't, I like shavings better than sawdust. Um, growing up with horses, we would get like big truckloads of sawdust delivered to the barn. And I think that holds moisture more. It's not as nice and dry and fluffy. I do like shavings better than sawdust, um, but I don't care so much about the consistency of them um, beyond that. There was a thing at one point, I think, that has been debunked 
now that there there's a certain kind of organism, Klebsiella, um, which can cause mastitis. And for at least at some point, people thought that animals bedded on pine shavings were maybe more prone to getting that organism, but that's kind of been debunked. That organism is just like an environmental organism that's everywhere or in like a poop organism. But anyway, I'll talk about that more someday when I talk about mastitis. Um, so yeah, shavings are fine. Um, if in other parts of the country, I think people use straw a lot more. I really like straw, um, for bedding, but it's really, really expensive up here. We don't have a growing season that's really long enough to, um, effectively grow straw on our pasture or grass up here. And we also kind of prioritize hay because we prioritize feed and we have another source of bedding. Um, probably at some point we'll like truck in big tractor trailer loads full of straw or something like that. But at this point it's mostly shavings for us. Do we dress the ground with something before spreading shavings? Not generally. Um, sometimes like our, our stall floors also are not dirt. Um, like I mentioned before, the new barn is concrete and the old barn is concrete or wood floor. So I try to let that dry up when I'm cleaning the barn and I'll scoop everything out of there, try to let the air, let it air dry a bit and then, uh, put new bedding on top of it. Uh, the, sometimes if it's really wet and, Mankey will uh, do like lime pulverized garden lime on top of especially the the wood floor areas to kind of try to dry that out and absorb that a little bit and uh, neutralize that acidic <laughs> urine. Um, yeah. Uh, problems with flies and fire ants. Uh, insects. Yeah. So insects are annoying for sure. Um, we've had, I, and we've had, we have a late season here in new England this year. So I'm like, I'm like only want to whisper this because so far our fly season has not been terrible. The mosquitoes have been awful. Um, but the, like the barn flies, the stable flies, have not yet become terrible. But I say that not yet because I would estimate that our season is about three weeks behind where it should be. We had this cold, wet, rainy spring and all the growth and everything was really quite slow and behind. So usually this time of year, the flies, the stable flies, um, have really like had their population explosion and they're everywhere and we hate them. Um, so maybe in three weeks, I can revisit this and talk about it more. What we did do this year, which we haven't done for, God, probably eight years or so, is this year we got fly predators. Um, so these are parasitic wasps that uh, I can't remember what part of the fly life cycle they interrupt. I think it's one of the larval stages and the parasitic wasps like lay their eggs in the fly larvae and then the fly larvae don't emerge to being adult flies. Again, like so far so good, but ask me in three weeks how that's going. 
Um, the other thing that I like is called a big stinky fly trap. And um, we have several of those around. It's a container with a trap on top and you like bait it with this enzyme that you that is provided and some like raw meat. So we always have like goat liver, chicken liver or something from our butchered animals in the freezer. We thaw some of that. We bait the trap and the flies go in there. And it's really gross, but kind of satisfying to see the the clear trap containers fill up with flies. They're awful. Um, so yeah, I should put some kind of reminder in three weeks to let you all know how it's going with the fly predators. So far, so good. But again, cold, cold, wet, uh, early spring and early summer. Uh, let me see. How I'm going to try to finish this one email up with many questions, uh, and then I might have to separate uh, Q&A into two episodes. Uh, next question, how long do we bottle feed our kids? Uh, this question was because the uh, the dam, the kids are being dam raised, but she's not a fan of the of the babies. Um, we bottle raise all of our kids. We do not, uh, dam raise any and we leave them all. We, they all get milk till they're 12 weeks old. Uh, we used to wean at like eight weeks, but our goal is to get these kids as big as we can, as fast as we can, especially the boys, because the boys are generally going to freezer camp, uh, and we have a pretty good market for them. So we want them to be big. We want them to be healthy and robust and putting all of their energy into growing. And yeah, they, uh, that's what we do. Everybody does, does and bucks 12 weeks, sometimes more. We've been more organized this year than we have in the past and it's worked out quite well. Um, how long do we keep our babies separated? I, the babies are always separated. Um, so again, because we bottle raise everything, we don't dam raise anything. Um, that's they're they're always separated. They're our keeper does generally are in their own little group until they're like a year old. Like we just put our 2018 doe kids out in the in the big doe barn in the milking doe barn. Uh, I don't know, like a month ago or something, maybe. Yeah. So, um, I think, and that can also depend on the dynamics of your herd. So then like, if you have a doe that is kidding and you're going to have her dam raise the babies, like, yeah, it's kind of nice to let her have some space for that for a while, um, and make sure she bonds with, with the kids. Um, the, <laughs> I guess a couple of things about that. Like you could probably have some does that do a good job, like community raising kids. Like if you had two does give birth at the same time, like they're going to, th our does, like we let them, we have them give birth. We let them clean off the babies. Um, some does are just very maternal and like the hormones are raging uh, when it's kidding time. So the, um, the those hormones like when 
somebody else gives birth, those hormones apply to all of the goat kids for some of the does. So we call those baby stealers at our place. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother us. It doesn't stress me out. Um, our, I don't worry. We have a closed herd. Um, we're due this year to do all of our biosecurity testing, but it's been multiple years since we've brought in any other animal. Um, so I don't worry about, uh, infectious disease too much or anything like that with our guys. We're pretty isolated. We don't see a lot of other goats. Um, if you are bottle feeding, we bottle feed three to four times a day for the first week or so, and then we gradually back them off to bottle feeding twice a day. Um, so it's like whatever what works. If you have your dough separated with her kids and they've bonded and the kids, I think the big thing about reintegrating them with a group of adults is making sure those kids just have like the wherewithal of getting away from the other does that may be kind of pushy and bossy. Um, so whether that's a week or whether that's three weeks or whatever it is for those particular individuals, I think is important to think about. Is it possible to sedate a goat to work on them? Um, <laughs> this is says, our buck is about 250 pounds, coming due for his first hoof trim. He is sweet up until we try to make him do something he doesn't want to do. Is there a way to take the edge off for him so he's not so stressed? Um, so sedating adult ruminants, um, I, I mean, I sedate things for... Re for various reasons, um, but sedating adult ruminants is definitely more risky than sedating younger ruminants just because they have a big old rumen. Um, I worry every time I sedate a goat, I worry about aspiration. Um, when an animal is sedated, they lose their, like, swallow reflex if they're heavily sedated and um they goats just make a ton of saliva and if they're not swallowing well like they normally do then they could potentially inhale that and uh and cause aspiration pneumonia seen it happen it's a big bummer um so i try to have a good reason to sedate things when they need to be sedated. Uh, as far as restraining animals for things like hoof trims and the like, I would definitely have a good um, milk stand or stanchion that you can fix them, like tie them to, uh, get their head fixed in a position in and, um, put that thing up against a wall on one side. So they can, they have limited direction that their body can go. Um, and then, you know, physically restraining them versus chemically restraining them when possible. Do I do my own fecal egg counts? Uh, I can, um, I don't like to, cause I don't like looking in the microscope for extended periods of time. It gives me a headache. And also I would rather just send them to my lab. Um, uh, 
can I recommend a sciencey book with photos and descriptions? I can probably find there's a couple of good charts on the the internet that show different larvae. Um, the thing about looking at anything under the microscope, in particular fecals, probably though, when you are, especially when you are learning how to do fecals, is like you st- you second guess yourself. You're like, is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? And then you're like, when you actually see the thing, you're like, oh no, that's the thing. And all those other things were not things. Um, common things for fecals that are confusing, pollen is probably the big one. There's lots of different kinds of pollen out there that can look like uh, ova and are not. Um, so I will post, there's some good info online. Um, and, uh, there's some good like charts. I have one somewhere too. Maybe I can take a picture of that if I can find it. Um, and want me to send you some pictures. You absolutely can send me pictures of things. Um, that's fun. I like pictures. So yeah, um, that was, that was that email with lots of questions. I hope I answered those somewhat coherently and coming up on the 30 minute mark. So this is going to be uh, long. I'm going to take a little break. This is going to be the long awaited listener Q&A catch up part one. And then part two will be coming at you shortly. Um, if you have questions you'd like me to answer at some point, feel free to email me goat.cara at gmail.com. Um, that's going to do it for the moment. I will talk to you guys next time.